Today's episode is with Dr. Nancy Lynn, PhD. Nancy is one of those people that I've met. You know how you meet somebody through work and you're just instant friends? That is Nancy. She's just so cool. She's so smart. She's just awesome. You guys are going to love her energy and her information. She's a holistic nutritionist, a health researcher, a wellness coach, an author, and an international health educator. She addresses topics from chronic pain to mental and emotional health. She's also a certified yoga instructor. She's going to talk to you about emotions stored in the body today. And man, she has so much good info. We only got like halfway through the list. So we have to do a part two on this, but man, it's good. So, so good. And Nancy is just, I mean, she's incredible. Her videos have over a billion views, a billion on the internet. And she just crushes it. I love doctors that are like, they look at the standard Western medicine practice and they're like, this is not, we're not getting to the root cause here. I need to actually get to the root cause with people. And so she shares that in the beginning of the episode. And then we, yeah, we dive into where pain is stored in the body, emotional pain. And also if you're watching me on YouTube, you'll see me holding up her books. You can already see how pretty she is. I'm like, seriously, she's so freaking gorgeous. You should watch this on YouTube. <laughs> but Dr. Nancy is getting to great 21 day journal for breaking the bad. And then she has her book called Breaking the Bad with Dr. Nancy Lynn. And this is Breaking the Bad Habits, Mindsets and Beliefs. It's a 21 day transformation to a leaner, energetic and happier you. And that is Nancy in a nutshell. She is fit and she is happy and thriving and just amazing. She's kind of like a low key bio hacker. I'm like, girl, I can't even, I need like six episodes to talk about all the awesome stuff that you do. And she's also, she's had a, an emotional road in her life too. So we're going to have more episodes with Dr. Nancy talking about mindset, healing, optimizing your life, living free. She's just awesome. So anyway, let's go ahead and get right into it. Here is Dr. Nancy Lynn. Okay. So before we jump into all of the juicy, awesome stuff about emotions, being trapped in the body and all this fun, how stress affects the body. Can you please give us a little bit of background information? If you guys aren't watching on YouTube, you should watch on YouTube because Dr. Nancy is very pretty <laughs> and she's enjoyable to look at, <laughs> but I will say, you know, um, I want the audience to know some more of your background. So can you tell us like how you got to this place? Basically, I mean, it's basically holistic health, right? But where did this all start for you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited yeah. to be on here. I have always been a lover of humans, humanitarian. That was me. I've been volunteering in the hospitals ever since I was in fifth grade. Wow. I just love being close to people and helping, right? We're yeah. all here for that reason. So yeah. in the hospital space, pretty much all my life, I went to the University of Florida, got my master's in rehabilitation therapy with cognitive disorders, worked a lot in the hospital and rehabilitation space, lots of clinical settings. Then mm -hmm. I started to see the blind spots and I started to see how it was this paradigm shift of medical world of were they really truly trying to help people or were they trying yeah. to make a dollar? So that did not resonate well with me. And I just was like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. So from working with people with cystic fibrosis, children with schizophrenia, bipolar, all kinds of ailments that were just keeping them constantly in that revolving wheel of the hospital settings. Yeah. I was doing rounds with these the slew of doctors. They would walk in, not even address the person, look down on the clipboard and say, oh, we need to up their meds. It was just meds, 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 meds. And I'm like thinking to myself, what about how they slept or what about their support system? Or what about how they're, how, how are they journaling and how are they getting rid of all of these old narratives? 
from a very young age, I was thinking there's got to be a better way than just giving them meds because you would see the same people. It's a revolving door. You see the same people leave thinking they're better and then they come right back and they come right right back. And after just a few times of coming right back, they now think that there's something truly wrong with them. Right. And it's a moot point, right? So then now they're like, I'm sick. And then now they have the story of, no, I was sick because in fourth grade, I fell off the monkey bars and I'm sick. This is who I am. It's genetic. Mom and dad, they have it. So I have naturally. Well, we know with lots of science now and all of the new studies coming out that that's just not true because we have the ability to rewrite the genetic codes. That's our superpower. We can do that. And so now I got really, really interested on the more natural alternative route to health, which is a lot of it is preventative. And it takes a longer time than just a pill in the bottle. That is my passion. And that is what I really want to, it's my driving force to kind of spread that information that it's not what somebody diagnoses you or labels you. It is not what happened to you. You have the ability to change biohack through the things that we're doing, our perception of the world and how we believe it to affect us and live a better, more optimal life from wherever you are. And that's Amen. like my passion. That's my passion. Amen. So well said. I bet people are they're like, yes, exactly. I like her. She gets it. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about, I mean, so I'm doing holistic health coaching. You have a PhD in this stuff, but I definitely, I'm like the more and more, the longer I've been a coach, I'm like your emotions and your mindset are all of it. It's everything. Because if you hate yourself because you didn't show up at work the way you wanted to, or you don't think you need to be 20% body fat and you're 24% and you hate yourself until you get to 20, or you have all these old patterns of my mom is so horrible and blah, blah, blah. And I can't stand my sisters and and all this stuff. How are you ever supposed to be optimally healthy? I see this manifesting gut issues. I say like autoimmunity. I'm like, guaranteed. I know that there's a bunch of unprocessed trauma Mm -hmm. and emotions. And I'm like, that's why I felt like I got forced into mindset coaching because I was like, so much of this is emotional. We have to address this. I cannot help you with your health unless we're going to talk about the fact that you were molested your whole childhood and never freaking dealt with it. And you're angry and you hate men or your mom was super abusive to you and you've never taken a look at it. And now you abuse yourself. Like I can't help you until we get to these issues. And so I'm excited to talk to you about emotions and how they affect our physical health. So I'll let you take the mic on that. Thank you. (laughs) There is so much information thrown at us. We have the ability to self-diagnose now because we have information at our fingertips and stimulus, right? If there's one thing that you can walk away from listening to this podcast with me today, I want you to hear this. Your mind matters most. Your mind matters most. What you think will fruition. Our belief systems are the strongest things on this planet. It's so strong that it outperforms. If we take medication, our belief system will outperform how that medication actually heals us by how we think. And it's based on the faith and the hope and the idea before we see the evidence, that is the most important, your mind, your mindset. And why we're talking about emotions, because our emotions drive our behaviors and where our emotions come from, our thoughts and where our thoughts come from, our brain state and where our brain states come from, our resistance or our acceptance of the things that are happening around us, our yeah. pri- our proprioceptive belief of the environment and how it affects us. But it all yeah. stems from 
our mindset and the faith and the hope of the idea of whatever you're thinking, your belief system. It is so, so powerful. That is our superpower. So we can go to these biohacking conferences that are really fun and exciting. We can get all these gadgets. I'm a gadget queen. I have every single thing from head to toe to make me feel better, to get more biometric uh, measures because I love data and that's what I do. However, if you don't believe it to be true, or if you don't have that, that space of maybe I can change or I want to change, you're wasting your money. You might as well throw it all away. Stay home. Don't go to any conferences. You have to want to be better. You have to have to put yourself in that space of I'm going to change. I'm going to see the change. There's hope. If you don't have hope, you might as well just throw the towel. A hundred percent belief is everything. And I learned that when I changed my body, I was like, Oh, I mean, I felt a switch flip in my mind that it was like, no, like this is happening. Like there was not even a 1% wondering if I'm doing this. It's like, watch me, watch me. I'm doing this. I don't care what anybody says or what else comes in the way. Like this is happening. And I love what you said about basically the placebo effect. Cause I think of this with like, even with like, there's a lot of information about there about like all these even natural foods that will hurt you. Like it's from plants are going to kill you to meat's going to kill you to everything's going to kill you. There's a lot of fear-based stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't have its place for the right person, but I'm like, if you, everything you're eating it, you're eating it with a wrapped up in a nice bundle of this is hurting me. Who's to say that it might not hurt you because of your belief that it will. If the placebo effect is real, which it definitely is, it's been proven over and over again in science. That means that your mind can overpower your biology. So I love what you're saying here. So let's dive into emotions then and emotional stress and how that impacts our physical health. Emotions are felt in the body. Emotions are physical. So if you are walking around with an ache and a pain and you're just like, why in the heck I'm going to, what biohack can I do? Or it's, it lives in the body. It's physical. And how does it even get stored there? It's how we perceive our environment through stress. Now, stress is going to be downloaded into our bodies and we store stress in specific areas. There are common areas where we store it. And that's what I'm going to really talk about. And then we're going to talk about different ways to alleviate that. Now, Nathaniel Brandon, he's the founder of the Psychology of Self-Esteem and many other psychological books. And him and a lot of fellow neurologists, they are now seeing and agreeing that we must accept and acknowledge all feelings, all of our feelings, the whole entire spectrum of how we process and feel without censorship, unconditional feelings. Right. So instead of disowning or denying or repressing any part of our experiences. A lot of times I don't remember the something because I was like, oh, that was traumatic and I didn't percolate something good feeling. So I'm just going to forget about it. What are you right. talking about? Right. <laughs> what right. abandonment, right? So we <laughs> disown it. If we don't accept all of it, then what does that do? We're faced with it being repressed somewhere. It goes yeah. somewhere. Right. Your feelings, it inevitably will download and then this internal conflict becomes a part of who we are. And then our belief system is shadowed by that. So in other words, the more you distance yourself from your feelings, the more disempowered and out of touch with your true self and change you'll become giving rise to physical pain in the body, different parts. Well, they all go, all of these unwanted feelings that we don't want to acknowledge, they go somewhere. 
Yeah. But here's a disclaimer. Certainly not all bodies, aches and pains and illnesses are psychosomatic, right? But right. studies do show that there are definite immediate bodily reactions to stress. And when experienced chronically, recurring patterns will emerge and it's going to leave you feeling a certain way. And emotions and unresolved triggered responses to circumstances, people, events, external stresses, it may be keeping you achy and in discomfort, unhappy and in pain. So we're going to look at the most common places unresolved stress manifests in the body. And before I talk about that, I want to shine light on fear. And we talk about fear a lot. I just got goosebumps because fear is almost always the driving force behind repression and frequently rooted in our past. Mm. Okay. We are very smart, intelligent human beings. We compare to the past, we predict the future. Compare to the past, predict the future, but only through our own eyeballs, our own interpretation, our own vantage point, our own lens. And that's kind of scary sometimes because there's science that shows that our perception of the world is already solidified around 10 years old and before. So every single thing we perceive is already deeply embedded in us. Thanks mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. So, and I love that we're getting the awareness of this now and going back. And I don't know about you, but with my kids, I'm like, let's talk about all this right now. Let's try to get a little bit ahead on processing all of the stuff, all these stories that you developed. Let's get a little ahead because we can, we can go back, but it takes a lot of work. And I think it's it's a constant evolution too. Like, and and And, you know, repression, repressing and forgetting all of these, like these things that don't serve us, it can be necessary, particularly when you feel overwhelmed or experience trauma, but an over-dependence on the repression, avoidance or running away from that, something that doesn't feel good withholding from facing what it is that's causing you right. angst that fuels this psychosomatic symptom and the self-destructive patterns. And then it downloads into our bodies. And then we never, ever again, get past it. And then we want to be leaner and stronger. And we want to do these fitness competitions and we want to do this financial, this wow thing at work. And we're just finding, we're meeting roadblocks and meeting roadblocks because we're fearful of coming up with new responses to what we think is going to happen, right? Our mind, very powerful. Or what is yeah. happening, our perception right. of what is happening instead of repeating old behaviors along the way. So we really need to pay attention to how we are addressing the stories or the circumstances that are coming up. And we need to change it, have to faith and the willingness to want to change it so that we don't yeah. get stuck in these unhealthy cycles. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about the different body parts. Cause the first time I got my mind, like for me, I'm open to everything, but I don't really get attached to things or I don't truly believe them. I'll say until like it's become true in my own experience. Right. I'm like, okay, I've seen that over and over again, or I personally have yeah. experienced it. So I'm, I'm listening a little more now. And for me, I was doing yoga at my ayahuasca retreat that I went to and I'm sitting there and I like, I had the strongest feeling. It was like, you get your ass to yoga every single time, get in there. So I I'm sitting there and I'm in this hip opener stretch, which I'm assuming you're probably going to talk about. I'm in this hip opener stretch and I start processing all, I had just been through a bunch of trauma. I was processing all this trauma. I've got tears just streaming down my face and the yoga instructor goes, you might start processing some emotions now since trauma store, a lot of emotions are stored in your hips. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. That was interesting. Cause I'm sitting over here bawling my eyes out. Right. Which led me on this trajectory of really, I'd heard the body keeps the score and I had heard these things, but I, it wasn't until then I was like, dude, there's something to that. That really woke me up to it. So anyway, let's dive into yes. where we store emotion in the body. Okay. 
The first place that we're going to talk about that we store unresolved emotions is probably the most common for most men. Hmm. Can you guess what that area is? What do you think? What do you hear people complaining about most? They're back. Yeah, lower back. Lower back. And the emotion that's repressed associated with the lower back is anger. Mm. I just saw the red emoji pop up in front of my face. Red emoji, anger, repressed, unexpressed anger. So you know how a lot of times you're not, people don't feel very open to expressing why that person did you wrong, how you felt. We just hide it in or we take it out on something else. And, you know, so for relief, we have to learn to articulate constructively our frustrations and address the conflicts that we are feeling through our own perception of our situations in the moment, in the moment. You don't just sit there and ruminate over. Right. I sound harder than it is, but just (laughs) say it like it is. Don't try to sugarcoat it because you feel like it's not the right time or you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Yeah. I'll just chime in real quick. My son, he's 13. He's super emotional. He feels deeply. And I think that his emotions scare him. Like he's afraid to let them out because he doesn't want to like lose control. And we've had a couple of times where he just gets super mad about something. Like it's very uncharacteristic of him. He's like the most loving kid. He's a total mama's boy. He's super happy go lucky. And then something will trigger him. And he is like lost his mind, but he won't talk. He won't talk. Literally his dad and I I'll call his dad and like, something's going on. We'll sit there. We will have to wait for like 10 minutes for him to open up about it. And finally I'm like, well, wait, dude, it's okay. Just like, tell us one word of how you're feeling right now. We did that recently. It took him 10 minutes. We sat there in silence. We're like, we'll wait as long as it takes for him to say the word sad is what he was feeling. And his voice was cracking when he said it and it was super quiet. And then when we finally got him to talk a little bit more, He just started bawling. And I think it was this fear of, he's like, I don't want to cry. He doesn't Mm want to talk and then lose control and feel that. So now that's like our biggest thing we're working on with him is like talking when you're crying. I'm like giving him examples of my guy friends. I'm like, my friend, he cried while he was telling me this. It was so beautiful. So like, yeah, I think a lot of men are afraid to show emotion, especially if it's like crying or like it makes them look bad. I think all of us are, but I've definitely seen that this impression of like, I'm just going to bottle it all in because I'm going to be a real man and handle this. You know? Yeah. Okay. And you know, kids have such a great advantage because from around eight years old and before their frontal cortex, that reasoning area of the brain is not developed. So they experience something and boom, they react. They experience yes. something and boom, they react. That's right. like the temper tantrums. And, and right. it's a learned behavior that we repress. It's a learned behavior that we fear right. because we experience, we process, we right. download, and then we also mirror the occipital lobe in our brain mirrors. And so when kids see behaviors, they mirror the behaviors, even though they don't really know what's going on. So around nine years old to 13, that frontal cortex is starting to mature. So now they are experiencing reality and then they want to react, but then they're just like, wait, can I react? Do I have the permission to react? So this is what you're seeing in your son. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. really wonderful that you can sit there and say, hey, there is actually permission, a safe ground for you to tell us how you feel. We're going to love you unconditionally. It's safe and it's okay. And for adults, we can do this too. However, adults don't have this reaction, immediate response. What do we have? 
Well, we learn, we compare to the past, we predict the future, we learn how to behave. So yeah. if you're from a young age, you're told not to cry, man up, shake it off. You're not supposed to show emotions. Then what happens? You process something, you experience an event, you think to yourself, oh, I'm not supposed to, da, 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 da. you repress it, you store it somewhere. Yeah. When we are in an emotive state, we are reacting. Our temperature of our body goes up. Our heartbeat goes up. Our ability to process information from a logical space completely shuts down. Think of yourself like a possum. So when you're in an emotive state, you're not thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. So pause what you're doing and mm -hmm. deregulate. Make mm -hmm. sure that your emotional guidance system is not charged emotionally because all you're doing is you're going to be fighting. You're going to be trying to survive. It's a fight or flight thing. Right. And if you're in that space and it doesn't feel good, now you tap into the hormonal places of your brain. And what does that do? Shoots and floods your whole entire body with cortisol, with right. adrenaline, and your body has to metabolize that. And over time, that's toxicity to your body. And yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. So when we are in a heightened emotion, emotive state, remember emotions, what does that do? It paralyzes our frontal cortex. Mm. So you can either pause, take a break, give yourself, put a timer on 10 minutes, go do something else. Yeah. And when we do this, when we go do that other, those other things, we stop the cycle of these emotions from downloading into our body. So we can mm. go find somebody and hug somebody for 30 seconds, 30 seconds. It takes that long for the body to yeah. relax and for the brain to now release the good feeling hormones, the oxytocin, the love hormone. You can go and journal. You can go and exercise, move your body. These things allow your body to get into the physical of not the physical body, not the emotion so mm -hmm. that you can actually process it. And then mm -hmm. when you are in a disarmed space, you can now talk about it. Then your frontal yeah. cortex is working and you're not fighting because when yeah. we, when we're in the fighting mode, we don't care. We throw everything in the kitchen sink to hurt the other person to survive. That's just what we do. And yeah. we say things, we say things that we really didn't mean and then we're regretting. Right. And I think so, it's important for us too to remember to give other people that space too. Like when my son flew off mm -hmm. the handle about this thing, he stormed up to his room and I'm like, I'm going to give him all the time he needs. Cause there's no way I'm going to go up there and try to battle this out with him right now. Of Why are you acting like that? Like it's not going to go well. So I think it's important for us to remember other people need that space too, to be able to process, to be able to get to a healthy space, to be even able to talk about it. But sometimes we're like, why are you mad? What, what happened? No, what? it's not, not going to go yeah. well. It's because we take it personally. Right. We want to fix it for others. We yeah. don't want other people to feel bad. We want to hurry up and fix it. But that does <laughs> other people a disservice. So the right. best thing that we can do is hold space. You are yeah. someone else's container and you just have presence. Don't, don't talk, don't add, don't stoke the fire, right. just hold space and then do exactly what you're doing. Nod, empathetically listen yeah. and say, I hear you and validate. And that's the yeah. best thing that you can do for mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. whether it's your child, whether it's your partner, whether it's just stranger on the street. Yeah. Hold Love space. That. Love that. It's good hey, karma I, points. And you probably both need the space. Like you need it too, even though you think you're right and you're going to help and you're going to fix. It's like, no, yeah, you're also emotional it's hard. right now. <laughs> you don't want other people to yeah. feel bad. We're really compassionate humans. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on. The next okay. place that our body stores 
unresolved emotion is the stomach and intestines. And the emotion associated with this area is fear. Mm. Wow. So anger, lower back, fear. When you're afraid, you tend to tense up your stomach and intestines, right? Saying things like, I'm yeah. sick to my stomach. It's our body's response to conflict. And the more you deny or repress fears, the more physical reactions are likely to manifest. Mm. Yeah. If you think about it, even if you're, if you have to speak on stage or public events, Ooh. sometimes you're like, I got to go to the bathroom, right? We've probably mostly experienced that direct correlation, or maybe you're in a new place, you're traveling and you're nervous. You feel that. You Butterflies in the stomach. Yeah. You're yeah. not hungry yeah. or you're mm-hmm. like, can't go to the bathroom when people travel is very common. So we, I think we've all seen that correlation of like, when you're nervous, this fear, anxiety thing that it does affect us. And it, man, that hit me when you said that, because I've noticed in so many people that have unresolved trauma, like heavy, heavy trauma, usually childhood trauma have gut issues. I've noticed that correlation very often. And that makes it like, makes me sad hearing you say that. Cause I'm like, damn, this started because they were so afraid. Yeah. And what lives in the gut, their ability to produce serotonin, right? Serotonin, that good feeling hormone. So if you've got gut issues, no wonder it's really hard to keep your mood elevated and leveled right. up. What right. else lives in your gut? How is your immune system produced? Right. Most of it is produced in your gut, the lining right. of your digestive tract. So if you right. have irritable bowel syndrome, if you have all of these other issues, right. bloating or sensitivities to food, how right. can you feel good? How I is know. your immune system going to be boosted? Right. And not to mention most of your GABA is made in your gut too, which is like the brakes on your brain. So your glutamate goes out of control. So now you're anxious. Your serotonin's lower, so you're in a bad mood. Like shit. And I love that you're bringing this to light because I hear this all the time. People are like, "I'm depressed. I have depression and anxiety." And when I talk to them about it, they have never ever been told that there is a correlation between their gut health and that. Can you believe that? It appalls me that they went in like you were talking about in the beginning of the episode, and they mm-hmm. got put on some SSRI or SSNI or they have all the different ones now, and no one ever said, "Oh." What's going on with your gut? They didn't even know there was a correlation. It's crazy to me. It's That's why emotions are so hard to express because we haven't, as science, we haven't given the permission to say, yes, mental health is a real problem. We need to actually really address mental health in our brains just as importantly as we address the symptoms that are manifesting from what we think are physical, physical body ailments. Yeah. Right. It's really hard. And fear and uncertainty is the hardest to manifest and to hold. You can't hold it. Right. Right. And fear, it just percolates when we don't have control and we don't know. Well, of course, we don't know what's going to happen next. The only thing we do know is our present moment. And that's why breathing, that's why yoga, that's why journaling, all of these things bring us to the present moment because that's the only thing that we can control. What can we touch right here and right now? That's what we know. Everything we don't know, am I going to get sick? How am I going to travel? Are my kids going to be okay? Or all this, what if, what if, what if lives in the future? And all the regret and the repression, it lives in the past. And that is where discomfort and you're a prisoner of your mind. That's where that lives. Right here, right now. I thought about that a lot with when the shutdowns first started happening back in 2020. I mean, everybody's anxiety was through the roof, understandably, but I couldn't help but think of exactly what you're saying. Eckhart Tolle talks about this a lot in The Power of Now. It's like, wait a minute, but right now in this very moment, I'm sitting in a climate controlled room, drinking organic coffee and making a stir fry using high-speed internet and all my bills are paid. 
So, but in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? So like, you're right. That freedom and that peace is available to us in the moment. Cause most of our moments are not terrifying. Most, the grand majority. No, but you know what? Nine out of a hundred are not. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. Our (laughs) brains on its own biologically will remember the (laughs) negative data points seven times more than it will the positive. We don't know how to do that from an organic space, but we can change it. We can start to, that's why journaling is so great. If you journal three things every single day that happened to you, that made you feel good or that you're grateful for you're, and then every single day you have to write three different ones. Your brain starts to start looking at everything from a very abundant space instead of a lack. I don't have, I don't have, I don't. Now you're like, Oh, what can I write? Oh, I do have this. I have more than enough time. I have more than enough money. I have more than enough support. And then your whole disposition changes because your belief system changes and your belief system is the strongest thing in your whole body. Your mind matters most. I love what you're saying because you're basically describing that from a biological standpoint, we are designed for survival, right? So survival mindset is here's all the things that could go wrong. And, and you're describing how getting shifting into abundance mindset is intentional. And it goes along with what you were saying earlier about how we can control our biology with our mind, but we have to choose it. It's intentional because our baseline is survival mode. That's we're, we're gifted with that to be able to not die and be killed and mm-hmm. run off a cliff and all of that. But if you want to shift into abundance mindset, it doesn't just happen. Like we have to override those primal fears to do that. So I love what you're sharing there. Yeah. And those primal fears now science has shown, I keep saying science has shown, but Three to four generations, our DNA has been downloaded with this epigenetic code, this epigenetic change of what our great-grandparents did. So if your great-grandparents have been in the entrapment camps of your Jewish lineage, your genetic code already comes with this mindset of, (gasps) right? You already have this predisposition of conflict and deep down in your mindset of distrust. And so what do we need to do now? We can change it though, with how we react, how we understand our bodies. And we have to do it through this practice of mindfulness. You are what you practice. We never know. We're always in practice. We don't know what we're practicing for. We're always in training. What if we don't know what we're training for, but when the, the opportunity arises, we'll know. So how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're always thinking in fear, you're always thinking in a cynical space and that's through learned behaviors, then you're going to see things in a very cynical space. The world is really horrible and ratchet and it's evil and it's hateful. The world is really loving and caring and supportive and nurturing and abundant. How are you thinking? How you think shapes not only yourself, but your littles because of the mirroring. Right. Right. Okay. So are there more okay. body parts that you want? Lots to of body parts. Okay. Let's I don't have that many, but let's, okay. keep, let's okay. keep going. Okay. So where do you think the body stores unresolved and repressed hurt? The heart? The heart. I just got goosebumps. The heart and the chest. <sighs> just take a moment right there and just breathe in. Relationship breakups, abandonment, betrayal, loss of a loved one. Grief, guilt, shame caused by someone that you trusted, caused by someone you respected or you loved. If you ignore or you don't do the work to heal your heart, it will manifest into cardiovascular issues. Okay. 
if you don't take the time to mourn the relationship that has passed or the person that has left, whether it was a choice or not, the tension in your chest will remain. It will put pressure here. It is going to feel like it's going to explode out of your chest. And so maybe your underlying cardiovascular issues lie in avoiding the conversations of how your heart has been paralyzed and it needs to just crack open finally to begin to heal. Mm. So what do we do here? Heart openers. So you've done some yoga. Have you ever done any heart openers? Interlacing yeah. your fingers behind yes. your, your chest, yeah. and opening up, breathing, yeah, I, allowing I the heart to open up. Yeah. yeah. This is what we do all day. This is what we do all day. We're texting, hunched yeah. over, we're driving, right. we're rounding, we're rounding, we're rounding, right. Right? right? What do we need to do? Open up. Yeah. Open up and squeeze your shoulder blades together behind you. Yeah. It's very vulnerable. Instantly you're like, oh, that's not normal. (laughs) It's not. I totally am so happy and unresolved. Unresolved emotions. That's how you start walking if you once you're healed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Your shoulder blades touching. (laughs) And not only the fun side, but there's a backside of your heart too. Yeah. We need to be able to love on that. So when we cross our arms and give ourselves a great big hug, creeping your fingers closer to your spine and then dip your chin Mm. and breathe, you're opening up the backside of your heart. We need to do that, the front and the backside. Mm. Also, journaling, again here, extremely helpful. Physical touch, I talked about that 30-second hug, extremely helpful to let yourself just melt and feel loved and give love, right? We have to be able to down-regulate the stress response with hand to heart breathing. So you can put your hand on your heart or if you're in a conflict with somebody else or you want to resolve something, you put your hand on their heart. They put their hand on your heart and you breathe together. Ujjayi breaths, this is another yoga term. Ujjayi, it just means the victorious breath. So you inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose, make it audible like wind through trees or water through pipes, dragging your breath behind your throat. But make sure your breaths are large, deep, diaphragmatic breaths, full breaths. Inhale. Fill up. Pause at the peak. Exhale. Nice. Empty out all the way to the pit of your pelvis and then squeeze a little bit more out. Three deep breaths when you're feeling sorrow Mm. or pain. That can now bring more oxygen into your bloodstream, into your lungs, and you can actually change the flow at how much carbonic acid is in your blood. Carbonic Mm. acid is the number one predictor of whether or not you're going to have disease in your body. Mm. Disease will not live in an alkaline state. When your body is acidic, that means you have an elevated too much carbonic acid in your bloodstream. And how do you do that? You have too much carbonic acid by holding your breath or taking shallow breaths because you're reacting to something that you don't want to happen. The only way that stress is really happening is if your mind is perceiving something that you don't want. Reality is not what you expected. And so now there's this dissonance. Right. So breathe through it and observe it. Don't label it as good or bad. You're Mm. just watching it like a speeding car on a highway. Just watch it. And then as it goes, it goes. Mm. It's very hard when we have to Mm -hmm. practice it. But that's one of the ways to help to alleviate that space. 
That's so amazing. And I heard a breath expert one time say that when you breathe in and out of your nose, that we have parasympathetic nerve receptors in our lower lungs that get activated by that blood, that backflow that's created when we also breathe out through our nose. And you're doing that at a really deep level, pushing all the way in there. So you're getting that double whammy benefit of activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which can help you be in that space of acceptance and observation more than this. And I will say like, that is such a valuable tip that you just gave. Cause I noticed, so I was listening to that. I was working and I had a little Instagram live going and it's this breath expert. And he was like, see, see how you're breathing right now. And I was breathing through my mouth, first of all, which is going to not allow you to be in the parasympathetic because what do we do when we're in our sympathetic nervous system? We breathe in and out of our mouth. I'm not cleaning the air with the nitric oxide in my nose. And I was barely breathing. I was barely breathing. It was like the shallowest breaths ever working on this project. And I was like, holy cow, it changed me forever. Like that getting hit in that moment. I was like, dude, you're just minding your business, doing your work. And you are not even barely breathing. And so all the time now I'm like, just have to remember, you know, sometimes we have to remember if you're used to being in that fight or flight mode, which I definitely was. And I admit, I tend to go to that place. It's my tendency. I have to be mindful about making sure I don't go into that place. So anyway, thank you for sharing that valuable tool. Okay. What's next? Okay. Next is headaches. How many of us get migraines, headaches, right? Cluster headaches, tension headaches, loss of control, repressed loss of control. If you are a major or minor control freak, these are our high achievers, type A, you lose the ability to control and manipulate the people and events around you, right? Shaped by fear because I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to control and plan out every single thing so that I'll be prepared and I know what's going to happen. You are going to experience more pain in the membrane. Wow. So no matter how strong willed you might be, an emphasis on control will eventually lead to burnout. Let go of the need to control. We're never in control anyway. Yeah. We observe it, right? Yeah. And then you're splitting headaches. You don't have to go and take an Advil or a migraine or all these people. So many people are taking all of these really heavy, heavy medications for migraines. Right. Wow. It's so hard. It's debilitating. Migraines are so hard. Yeah. Not all difficulties in life can be solved by intellect or logic, right? Or trying to control everything. In fact, many problems are exacerbated by the need or the illusion of controlling what is happening. So what do we do? We let go and develop a mindfulness practice like we keep talking about to help cure that headache habit, Mm -hmm. to increase the oxygen in our bloodstream, help the flow of the blood to our lungs and to our brains, calm the stimulus, get out in nature, walk. You visited me. We went out into nature is the best thing that we can do. We ground and we calm. There is a magnetic frequency that runs from the core, the mantle, of our earth, all the way up into the atmosphere and all the way back down again. So this is the globe. It's like this, it's like two big elephant ears. And that magnetic force field goes into the earth and up through the grass and back up into the atmosphere. And if we want to demagnetize, if we want to feel more calm and we want to get to a place of peace and knowing and groundedness, take your shoes off. All the insulations that we always keep on our feet, go outside and just stand. or lay or sit down in grass, in the soil, go walk outside without your shoes and it will help regulate you. Also binaural beats, different isometric tones in the left and right ear that will also help to stabilize the brain waves, the different brain waves. Because what we're always in, if we're stressed all the time and we need to control, we're in this like super high functioning beta wave, right? Well, we can't be in that wham, wham, like all the time, having to solve problems and in, in heightened state. We can't. 
you will have neurological burnout in the brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we feel really reactive and angry and upset and agitated. So we use binaural beats to train the brain to come down. Deep breaths also help that. Yoga also helps that. Binaural beats are very, very, very strong. I have a podcast called Braincation by Dr. Nancy Lynn. Lots and lots and lots of podcasts there. All uses binaural beats. And it will help you get to sleep. It will help you to be more productive at work. There's one for that too. So So different brain states will help you get to what you want to do better. Binaural beats are amazing. Yeah, I'm a huge fan too. And on the barefoot thing, just an idea, throwing it out there. My son, Kyle, he just turned 11. He is really obsessed with like health. He loves it. He's just, I'm not pushing it on him. All of my (laughs) kids aren't like that. He just loves it. So we have this tradition where we do barefoot walks at night. So it's just around the block. It's super fast, but it's like, it's so weird and cool. And he loves that we can own it. And I'm teaching him about grounding and the pulse of the earth. And so we just go on a little barefoot walk around the block. And it's so cool. So just throwing that out there as an idea, because I think so often we think, oh, I need to have, you talked about this. I appreciate that when I was visiting you, you were like, you don't really have to have much nature. Like just go stand on your grass. Like just, (laughs) do you have a little spot? Like just go be out there barefoot for a second. It's so good for us. So yeah. I love And barefooting is very, very important too, because we are so insulated all the time. Right. We are losing the ability to walk yeah. and our feet and our toes, 100%. it gives foundation to our ankles. But what does that do? It gives foundation to our knees and our yep. hips and our lower back and our spine. Yep. So many people are complaining of lower back pain and knee pain and sciatica. Well, you need to be able to train your toes and to train right. your ankles. So the best right. way to do that is to take your shoes off and yeah. go walk somewhere barefoot on uneven ground slowly. It yeah. and if you your whole body. Exactly. And if you want to test out what she's saying, like one thing that I realized when I started being barefoot more was, yeah, you might be barefoot around your house, but you're not walking in stride for like a certain, a long distance. Go try that take your freaking shoes off, go outside and like walk and extend and see how different you feel. You're going to be like, I'm walking completely different than I normally do. My feet roll a little bit different. My gait feels different. Everything feels different. Whoa. I have toes. I forgot I had toes because I've been squished up in this little teeny tiny shoe. This is why I love Vivo barefoot so much because that's exactly they have research back showing that we actually, parts of our brain, we lose activity in parts of our brain because we have these supports in our feet and it's sending sensors up saying, I guess you don't need to worry about this part of your foot because you're never using it. Right. So they're showing atrophy in the muscles of our feet. And anyway, yeah, I'm completely on board with you on the, the barefoot and the grounding. Is there any other parts of the body that we, there are, there are, there are a little bit more. And this is what, you tell me how much time we have, but this next one is really big neck and shoulder. Neck and shoulder is huge. And this is burdens and responsibilities, Ah. burdens and responsibilities. Okay. Perhaps you are uh, shouldering too much responsibilities at any given moment in time. And you're feeling the pain in the neck. Well, if you Mm. suffer from neck and shoulder tension, like most people, it's likely that you're feeling overly burdened. So rather than ask, rather than just sit with it, ask help from others, you're likely to do a lot of things yourself, right? I got it. I got it. I got it. This most often leads to neck and shoulder tightness and the vagus nerve. And this is why I really want to talk about the vagus nerve that runs along the whole entire side of the neck. This whole entire thing that regulates our sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, right? How we stress that gets tight and it gets neglected if we constantly are doing this all the time. So relax your shoulders down. You can do some chest rolls, but there's ways to stretch and to nurture your vagus nerves. 
Okay. By stretching your ears and pulling on your ears. So you can take your fingers and you pull your earlobes just gently down seven times. And then you pull it up seven (laughs) times. And then there's a little bit of skin right behind the ears and you stretch that backwards, straight backwards seven times. And then there's a little inner part of your ear and you just take little tiny circles with your index finger seven times clockwise and counterclockwise. And then you dip one ear to a shoulder and you hold and you breathe through the nose and next through the nose and this way, right? And then come back to neutral and gaze up, relax your jaw and breathe. Simple, simple, simple. But there, look how calm. We just literally got calm, just like three deep breaths, Vegas yeah. nerve stretching, huge. Love it. It's funny that you say that because I, sorry, real quick. I'm just saying like in my meditations, I have been feeling lately. It's been basically, I'm not the ear thing and not the rubbing behind my ear, but like all of these stretches with my neck that you showed me through my intuition has just been telling me to do that lately at the beginning of my intuition of my meditation. I've been rolling with it. I've noticed I'm like, gosh, I feel so much better when I do that. So I love that. Thank you. I'll add all the other <laughs> tips that you just taught me. Cause yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I we, I that so many. And you know what, <laughs> if we, we run out of time, we can hop on again and do the next six places. But I mean, there's, if you're feeling tired and fatigued all the time, I know this is so many of us, we are having unresolved resentment in our bodies, tired and fatigue, unresolved resentment. Because what does that do? It kind of percolates when we're trying to go to sleep, right? And all of a sudden now we got insomnia, chronic sleeplessness. Yeah, We got resentment. We got unresolved stuff. We blame others. We need to be able to take responsibility. That's part of the work. But resentment stresses your entire body and does more damage than you can ever imagine when you hold on to a grudge or maybe totally. your ego won't let you forgive. Forgive. Totally. That's hard. Right. I just, I just the went victim. Through, right. Yeah. And they need to suffer. They should be. And I just went through something kind of difficult relationship thing recently and I processed it. I definitely felt all the feelings. I did talk to some close friends about it. I processed the whole thing. And finally I got to the point where I was like, I wish you the best. I wish you the best. And I got to move forward here just to like, hope everything goes well in your life. And here I'm going on mine. And it's just like, Oh, once it's done, let it be done. So it's the ice because it's so corrosive to you. Your mind is just going in this horrible place all the time. It's just not worth it. Okay, wait, let's hit at least one more, one more before we. Okay, hips. Yes. What do you think hips are? (laughs) I don't know. Is it trauma? Women, women really hold our issues in our tissues in our hips. So sciatica, lower back pain, all of that. And yes, that is feeling trauma, trauma. Mm. And trauma is only the definition that we give it. It is only the power that we give it. Every single time we visit an experience that we did not like, that was memorable for us, and we visit it, we rehash it, we rehearse it, it becomes downloaded into our tissues of our hips 14% more. And every single time you go and revisit, you don't know this, but you change it a little bit to make it a little bit more extreme. And so if you really want to resolve the issues in your body and in your hips, you got to change the narrative. You got to change from being the victim. You got to empower yourself and it's going to be hard. And everybody's trauma is their biggest trauma. Their greatest loss is their greatest loss. And your story is real and it's real to you. So you have to start shifting it and changing it. So that includes what you say to yourself and what you say to others about that. Hi, I'm Dr. Nancy. I have fibromyalgia. I started to say that. And then I started to believe it. And my body started to manifest it. And my body started to 
act like I had fibromyalgia. I've had that. I've had that. So I change it. My name is Dr. Nancy. I'm healthy. I started to feel that. What you say to yourself will manifest. Oof. Wow. Okay. Let me, one last thing in closing on this, because I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. So I currently have, I'm training for a race, a half marathon. I have sciatica pain. And this started when I was training for trying to qualify for the Boston marathon while I was leaving Mormonism and going through a divorce. Okay. So this is what, that's when it first started. And every time I start training again, distance running, it picks back up again. So I've thought about this. I've contemplated that on that. I'm like, is it just a physical thing where now I have some weakness in my hip ligament? Possibly it's from having kids and it got aggravated once. So it's kicking back up. Is it rooted in the fact that I was going through a lot of trauma when this first started and my body just hasn't healed that yet, even though I don't feel traumatized from those experiences anymore? Like my personal work is there where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm grateful for all those experiences. I learned so much and there's no like resentment or victimhood. But I'm very curious about it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Everybody's body is different, right? So it's very important that you turn in and become really mindful. That's why all these yeah. biometric tools and measures are so great because no one's going to know your body like totally. you know your body. Totally. You're really intelligent. However, it's not 100% here or there or here. That's yeah. why I practice holistic healing because totally. it's a little bit of everything. But exactly. when you start to see the narratives pop up, and you link that with the physical attributes of the body when yeah. you then start getting really curious and then yeah. start to do more investigation. And that's why yeah. I really love what I do is because everybody totally. is so different. Right. The fact that you can even sit here and say, wait, maybe, wait, maybe that's <laughs> yeah. a really great first start. And to be able to go back to the old narratives and then now rewrite the new narrative and start to want to do that, the hope and the faith that it might happen in a different way down the road. I'm going to start lacing up for my race and I'm not going to feel good. That, that hope, that faith, that is your biggest predictor of success. And yeah, I love that. So knowing that it could be, that's huge. And then start doing the investigative work. Yeah. I appreciate that. And you reminded me of at one point I did, I thought it was resolved. And the way I did that was I just asked my body what it needed. I was just like, what do you need? And it was like, I need you to stop running and go to yoga. (laughs) And so I did. (laughs) And it went away. So I'll I'll just check in again. So I really appreciate that answer. And man, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on. We got, we for sure have to have you on again to finish this episode. So to be continued, but guys, we have so many cool things like Nancy, this is only the tip of the iceberg. So if you liked this episode, just wait, just like she hasn't even gotten started yet. So (laughs) anyway, thank you so much for coming on and really look forward to finishing this up in another episode. Yes. Oh, thank you for having me. I'll see you soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inside Out Health Podcast. I hope this episode served as inspiration and something that you needed to hear in your life. If you have a friend or family member that you think would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. And also please subscribe. I have so many more amazing guests coming. I have just been so gifted and honored to meet so many incredible health professionals in my career, and I cannot wait to share their messages with you guys. So please subscribe. And if you could be so kind as to rate my show, I would really appreciate it. This 
this podcast is honestly an intuitive call to me to help spread goodness to the world. And so if you guys can help me do that, I would really appreciate it. If you want more info on this guest, pop over to my website, check out my podcast section, and you can get links to everything we talked about in the show um, and find out more about this guest and what where you can go from here. Make sure you're also following me on Instagram. Uh, that is my most active platform. You can find me at Coach Tara Garrison. You can also find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Everything is Coach Tara Garrison across the board. And then, yeah, if you want to send me a message, guys, and let me know other guests or other topics you want to hear on the show, please let me know. I am here to serve you. So I would love to hear from you. Would love your feedback on the show. And if you share any of these episodes, please tag me on social media. It's Coach Tara Garrison. 